This week's national interest isn't about Gautam Adani. This is instead about Indian capitalism. This is the toughest stress test for Indian capitalism in our independent history or more precisely post-1991 history. Because before 1991, there wasn't much capitalism anyway, at least market capitalism. Since the expansion, opening up and modernization of Indian markets began in the summer of 1991, many crises have struck it periodically. Among these were Harshad Mehta, Ketan Parekh, Fair Growth and others. Each one held out a crippling threat to Indian markets and to the new growing equity culture among common Indians, which is so crucial to the arrival and to the flourishing of a new capitalism. Each one of the scandals and scams rocked parliament, pauperized many well-meaning investors and sent some crooks to jail, if much too briefly. But there are five crucial differences between these and now, these old crises and now. Number one, none of these crises arose when the Indian markets and economy were globally integrated. Number two, these were crises of domestic markets, where domestic interventions, either by financial or regulatory institutions, or even a phone call from North Block could make a difference. The latest one is playing out fully in global markets and more importantly, in international media, particularly international business media. Number three, the old crisis, check out the so-called KP7 or Ketan Parikh scandal, for example. These mostly concerned companies doing the bulk of their business in India. This one is about India's most globalized corporate or conglomerate. The earlier crisis emerged here in India and the whistleblowers or the investigative journalists who exposed these were Indian. This one has been triggered by a very foreign and tiny financial institution, if you want to call it institution, or we can just say a company that specializes in short selling, one part of market operations. The fifth and the most significant difference from the stand standpoint of this column is that those who've created this current kerfuffle aren't whistleblowers. They are not whistleblowers, nor are they activist shareholders. They have no such claims. They are not trying to make the world a better place. They are coming at it purely for profit. They are short sellers. They have a fully disclosed vested interest in bringing down the share price of a company they are investing in, quote-unquote investing in, because they are only investing in a company by short selling its stock. Not just selling its stock, but short selling its stock. Who said you only make money in the stock markets when your share goes up? Hindenburg has now shown us Again, that you can also make money when your share goes down. Of course, people who are in the markets know it, but this has now brought this realization to a much larger chunk of a section of Indian public opinion. The reason we list this fifth difference as the most critical is simple. When foreigners invest in our companies, when our companies list overseas, NYSEC, somebody goes and rings the bell, when, when the world sings our praises, when FDI and FPI figures zoom, we celebrate, we take pride in it. Do we at the same time have the nerve to take the downside that might come with it? What is the downside? One, that we, our government, financial institutions, or regulators can no longer influence or arm twist this all-powerful entity called the market. Two, the need to accept that even what looks like a bunch of young upstarts can look to make mega profits by taking down one of our biggest conglomerates on the market. Markets and good capitalism have no nationalist lens. If money has no color, it also carries no passport. It needs no passport. And those who play in the market love their money first. 
all national political or ideological loyalties come next. It is for all these reasons that we call the ongoing crisis the greatest stress test for Indian capitalism as yet. And as we conclude the first full week of the market action on this, we can acknowledge quite emphatically that so far Indian capitalism has passed that test. In fact, with a score of almost 10 out of 10. Surprised are you? So let me explain. Almost two weeks into the crisis, the Modi government hasn't said a word about it. None of the regulatory institutions has intervened in the market in any manner whatsoever. Least of all, as if to help the Adani group absorb the blow better. The conglomerate has been left to its own devices. If at all, the NSE has done the usual and prudent thing of increasing margin payments to curb excessive speculation. This is fully the NSE mandate in a situation of heavy volatility. While the conglomerate called it a foreign conspiracy to attack and damage India and its institutions, the government, the entire finance ministry establishment, in fact, they've been on camera all over the past couple of days because of the budget and there was a lot of opportunity to slip something out, but they didn't, right? Similarly, regulators, the ruling party leadership have all kept mum. Never mind the flag. If India's most powerful political establishment in almost five decades responds to a situation like this as if it's something that must only play out between a corporate and the market, it is the coming of age of Indian capitalism. It is almost as if let the market take its own course is the new let the law take its own course. Think on the contrary, what would have followed if the mighty Indian state had acted in the way it might have when our political economy was less evolved. Really bad ideas like the suspension of trading and the launch of investigations against the greedy, immoral and what have you short sellers could have found currency. Even the whiff of such a false step would have done enormous damage to India's, India's markets and the global trust on which a booming new economy rides and indeed our very still, still very adolescent capitalism. And please do not say this talk is nonsense, that no such thing would ever be possible. The scar of the retrospective Vodafone amendment on global trust in India is still to heal fully. We have to be grateful that such ideas aren't floating anymore. Essential to the embrace of capitalism is the acceptance of the fact that losses are as much a part of business as profits, particularly of market operations. Nobody can pass a law mandating only profits in the markets. It's like passing a law against a failed monsoon or passing a law against India losing in any sport, right? That's, such things are not possible. Similarly, on the markets, you can't say that my law is that markets will only go up. That's why mutual fund sellers keep repeating that statutory warning. Mutual fund slash equity investments are subject to market risks. It's also because these investments involve risk that governments tax capital gains on equities and equity mutual funds at a lower than normal rate because they acknowledge the fact that you are taking a risk and they want you to invest more in equity and take the risk. The lesson for common folk therefore is not to get irritated when that statutory caution is repeated in so many advertisements between overs during your T20 live telecast. Losses are as much a part of the market as profits. Hindenburg has only underlined to us that you can also make profits from losses if you are a short seller with nerve and information. The reason the market, particularly one as large and spread out as India's now, is so powerful is that it can never be identified with any individual. Not one, not many, not a couple, not many, not even a large cohort. Think of it as a huge, humongous mob of 
anonymous moneyed tens of millions or crores maybe there is safety in numbers and anonymity which is further fortified by that one line ideology that governs the market what is that ideology what is that one line i love my money that is the line that governs the markets people can follow this god or that vote for one party and detest another love one football or ipl franchise and hate another but they will never let any of this affect their choices in the market the only thing that matters on the market is my money of course i can make the wrong choices but never because of my politics religion or loyalties this is what makes money the most secular god of all which in turn also makes the market the most powerful monarch of all or at least in the world of capitalism if you are in the market never mind whether as a corporate conglomerate broker banker or even an ordinary day trader or investor understand the fundamental law that applies so forgive me honorable judges i am borrowing this line also from judicial practice which is you say may you ever be so high the law is above you i am saying in a capitalist system in the markets may you ever be so high the market is above you in this round the market has won but it is still for adani now to decide whether he has lost or not conceding defeat would mean continuing to fret and fight with the market with money or other cloud finding shelter underneath the supposedly ulterior motives of the short seller so on and so forth the other way would be to take the blow with humility like a bad day in the market focus then on the many good and bounteously cash yielding businesses and assets more sharply rebuild what just got broken and hope that the market will love you again in the course of time this in our book would be good capitalism